coordination and sound. View to stimulate around the eyes. Greatest and greatest wellness trends, treatments, and experience. Work Magnesium is naturally found in foods like. This is the Well and Good podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Well and Good podcast. I'm Abby Stone, Editor-in-Chief of Well and Good, and today I'll be standing in for Taylor as host. If you're a Peloton rider, then you definitely already know our guest today. Emma Lovewell is a senior instructor at Peloton, where she primarily teaches cycling and strength classes. She has nearly 650,000 Instagram followers. She's appeared in a Super Bowl commercial. And in May, she released her first book. Live, Learn, Love Well is part memoir, part motivational guide, and all around fantastic. Now, I've been a fan of Emma's Peloton classes for a couple of years now. Like I'm sure many of you, I purchased an exercise bike during the pandemic. I shoved it into the corner of my tiny one-bedroom apartment, and I've really been hooked ever since. But I've been a fan of Emma as a person since I was 12 years old. Um, And that's because Emma and I come from the same hometown, the island of Martha's Vineyard. The island is really a character of its own in Emma's book, and so I really wanted to be able to have the opportunity to chat with Emma about the path that took her from our small town to Peloton's massive global stage. And I hope you'll enjoy listening in on our conversation. I'm Emma Lovewell. I'm a Peloton instructor. I am a new author of the book, Live, Learn, Love Well, Lessons from a Life of Progress, Not Perfection, which just came out a week ago. I grew up on Martha's Vineyard with Abby, which is very cool. And I can't wait for us to talk a little bit about how we remember our childhood. (laughs) So now I've been in New York for 12 or so years, and this is my first book, and I'm super excited to dive into it with you. Congratulations on the book. The book is fantastic. As you said, Emma, we went to high school together, which is kind of wild. You know, we weren't we weren't besties, but we were in the same dance company together. So I very much remember you as being 
this fantastic dancer, this great athlete, also just like the coolest. Well, thank you for that. And I also, Abby, I remember you coming into the dance company because you had moved there from another town and you had way more technique than everybody else because you had been doing ballet since you were like a baby. And all of us were like, had started ballet at like 13, which is too old in the world of dance. And so I remember Abby coming in and you were like, and we were all like, oh, like that's what technique looks like. <laughs> that's how I remember you. <laughs> I'd love to hear from you. Like, what was your first introduction to movement and adding movement to your life? It's funny because I never really saw my parents exercise, but I saw them doing a lot, building things, gardening, swimming. I think I just loved movement from an early age. I loved music too, because uh, my family's very musical. My dad's a musician. He plays the guitar and banjo and concertina. And so my brother and I grew up playing the piano and dance was just something that I so knew I loved from an early, early age, like coming home from school and like putting on like MTV or VH1 and like dancing along to all these music videos in my living room and, you know, making cassette tapes from the radio, you know, listening to 96.3 The Rose and, you know, recording all of my favorite songs on a cassette tape. And, um, and then I, I just loved movement because it just always allowed me to express myself in a different way. I think that I was kind of a quiet kid. I always thought being quiet meant being good or being good meant being quiet. And so I think for me, dance was a way that I could express myself where I didn't have to use my voice. So yeah, I think music was very like healing and therapeutic for me too. And it allowed me to be many different versions of myself. So yeah, you have all these identifiers now, former professional dancer, Peloton instructor, and now you have author added to the mix as well. So tell me, what was the process of writing the book like for you? Like, how did it come about and, and how did it feel? I think I always thought that like maybe when I was, you know, like 70 years old, I'd write a book or something. Like maybe when I had a full <laughs> life of stories to tell, I would write. But as you know, my career developed at Peloton where I'm connecting with millions and millions of people on a daily basis, teaching fitness classes globally. Um, I'm sharing little parts of myself. I'm sharing stories in between intervals in my classes and they're sound bites. And so there was part of me that was like, I want to share my full story. I don't want to just share this little snippet of like why I like this song. Cause it reminds me of this. I want to like go deeper into this is why this song really moves me because it reminds me of this significant moment in my life. And I have so many other sides of myself besides fitness that I wanted to share. And so when the opportunity presented itself, I was like, let's do it. it. It's, it was totally scary, but I also in my classes, um, advocate for doing things while afraid, like acknowledge the fear and do it anyway. And so this was definitely one of those moments for me where I stepped out of my comfort zone, um, because sharing all of these personal stories, as you know, from this book, like my parents divorce and, you know, heartbreak and all of this stuff is, is like cracking myself open in a way. So the process was kind of therapeutic. It felt like going to therapy, um, which I also go to therapy, but I was, 
you know, putting aside a few hours every Friday for the last like year and a half to sit down and write. And at first it was just like opening old journals and diaries, calling my parents and my brother and hashing through these significant life moments and then writing them. There were definitely moments in the process where I was like, is this going to come together? Like, is this actually going to work? And I think those are the best moments though. Cause you're just like, I don't know. And then when it does work out, when it does come together, it just feels so gratifying. Yeah. There's one part of the book that really stuck out to me because I just, it almost felt like I was reading my own story on the page when you were talking about the once a year shopping trips that you would take with your family off Island. I feel like that's a really, you know, Singular thing that those of us who grew up at Martha's Vineyard had to do for for those of you listening, yep. Martha's Vineyard has no chain stores except for a Dairy Queen and a Cumberland Farms, which you only know if you're from Massachusetts. Um, right. And, you know, in order to get school clothes and notebooks and all the materials, we would all take trips with our family to like the closest mall. Um, and it was yep. this big excursion. Um, so Emma writes about this in her book so beautifully. And what you kind of use that anecdote to get across is the idea of living in this place. Martha's Vineyard is known for being very affluent and all these celebrities and wealthy people live there. Um, but that's not always the case for the people that live there year round. So you were talking about, you know, growing up without having a ton of means. Um, and that was very much my experience as well. My family is not well off. We didn't have a ton of money. So for me, as I got older, these shopping trips also came with an awareness of kind of the burden, the financial burden that they were putting on my family as well, um, which I don't know if that, you don't have to say if that was your experience, but th th you know, reading this brought all of this up for me. Um, and then I love how you kind of use this anecdote to talk about, you know, moving away from a scarcity mindset. So I know I just like brain dumped on you, all of my own feelings, but I'd love to really have you talk about like, what is a scarcity mindset and, and how can someone move away from that? Yeah, I love that that part of the book resonated with you because it is a very small group of people that that story probably resonates with. <laughs> if you live on an island without a mall or anything, then yes, you you might identify. But all of that, it was like such a joyous day. We're like, oh, we get to go off island today. And then there's all this like anxiety that comes with it. Like I remember waking up at, you know, four or five in the morning because you had to get the, the first boats. So you're waking up when it's dark out and you're cramming in the car with your family. It is, it's interesting how we acclimate and how we make the most with what we have. And, and that's the best way to go about it. Because if you do live in a scarcity mindset, you can just always feel like you're lacking. Like you can always just feel like a victim of your circumstance. Like, oh, I don't have enough. You know, everybody else has more than me. You start comparing yourself to other people, other experiences. And I think um, the abundance mindset is really like looking at what you do have. And once you start focusing on what you have, you start to realize that you have a lot. And I think abundance creates more abundance. So once you're starting to focus in that mindset, you just feel more full in so many aspects of your life in like fitness and activities. I don't ever say you can't sit on the couch and binge watch Netflix. I don't say that. <laughs> I say, I want to add more like walks into my day. I want to at least walk for at least five minutes a day. Um, I think that's just like such a more positive and optimistic and like 
fill your cup type of mentality. And I think it helps in so many aspects. And what it does too, is it removes the judgment value that so many put on ourselves and the choices that we make when you feel like you're not living up to whatever standard you're supposed to, right? Yeah, you do need a night binge watching on the couch and that's okay, that's not bad. And you know, choosing not to do that and go for a run isn't good. It's just like finding what feels right for you. So I think that's such an important message. Totally. You write about this a little bit in the book, but I'd love to hear you talk about finding your voice and and what that experience of transitioning to this public persona and and being able to be on a literal stage every day for millions like what has that been like for you it was funny i was recently at a we had an instructor summit with um, all the peloton instructors and we all got together and our ceo was asking some of us if we thought we were an introvert or an extrovert and apparently like a lot of us said introverts and our ceo was like do you guys know yourselves like how do you how do you think that's true and we all laughed and like i think it is interesting right for somebody who's like so public and like puts themselves out there like you can also have this like quietness and this intro introvertness too. Um, and I think it's all possible, especially I think once you really put yourself out there to the public through social media or other things, then you start to really value your privacy a lot more in a lot of ways too. Um, but I think that for me, it was just always my love of performance and it started out with dance and, you know, I write about the lip sync contests at the Egertown mm-hmm. school and I would enter mm-hmm. every single year. And for me, that was like me finding my confidence through lip syncing. And it was like, I didn't even have to say anything, but I got to like be Mariah Carey. I got to be Alanis Morissette. Like I got to be these other people while lip syncing as a kid. And then I got into, you know, really got into dance, loved that expression as well. And then it wasn't until I started teaching fitness classes, um, that I was like, oh, wait, I have to really use my voice and I have to inspire people. And that was so different because as a dancer, oftentimes you're on set, like people don't care what you have to say. Like they just want you to do your job and move your body, take direction. And all of a sudden I'm leading classes, cycling classes, Pilates classes. Um, I was personal training too. And I had to start really like learning how to use my voice and that was a journey and it didn't, it wasn't easy at first, you know? So I think for me, I've always just tried to tune in with myself of like what maybe I need to hear in a tough moment. If I'm getting through a climb and I'm doing the climb and I'm like, man, I need, what what would I want to hear right now? And that's what I say. And so I always just think if I can at least just tune in with myself and my needs and then share them with the world, there will be people out there who need the same thing in that moment that I need. It is kind of nuts to think about myself as a kid and like how shy I was at times. And like, I feel like she would never, but if I told her my like eight-year-old self who I was going to become, like, I feel like she would not believe it. (laughs) Yeah. She would deep down. She'd be like, yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. I I love Peloton. I do Peloton classes and I love your classes. And I'm I'm constantly impressed by how kind of effortlessly inspiring people the the instructors are, but clearly it's not effortless. And there must be those days where you wake up in the morning and you're like, 
not feeling great physically or mentally, but you know you have like these people looking to you. Like how do you cope when when that's kind of the morning that you've that you've woken up to? Yeah, I mean like you just said it really is I start thinking about the people who are you know expecting me, the people who are waiting for me and who need me in some way, you know. And that is what motivates me because at the end of the day, like my job is to help people. And so if I'm just like feeling low or unmotivated and that happens, it absolutely happens. I just kind of like, you know, pull myself up and I have a bunch of, you know, tactics on how to like mo- get myself energized and motivated. Like one of, one of which is just playing a song that I love, like an EDM track or something that's just going to get me hyped and just start like jumping around. Or like I have, the, I've made this like stupid Instagram video about me just like punching the air, like I'm in the Jersey shore or something. <laughs> and like, I swear to God, just like punching the air, moving your body to music when you're not feeling motivated, like putting on your favorite leggings or your favorite top or whatever it is. Like these are such little things, but they can make a big difference. And I also think for personally, like when I'm just even doing my own workout and I'm not feeling motivated, I really like to focus on how good I know I'm going to feel afterwards. It's usually like beforehand, I'm not, I like don't want to go at all, but I know as soon as it's over, I'm going to feel so much better. I'm going to feel energetic, lighter. And I love that feeling. You never regret it. You really don't. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road with available H track, all wheel drive and three row seating. My whole family can head deep into the wild, conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So I am a sucker for behind-the-scenes information, always have been. Like, what goes into making one of your classes? Like, do you start with the music? Do you start with the intervals? Like, what does that process look like for you? So it really depends on the type of class that I'm teaching. So if it's like a music themed class, if it's a 90s ride, you know, it's music based. And so I'll usually pick the playlist first. And so we have um, proprietary software at Peloton that's just for the instructors where it basically looks like an iTunes or Spotify or something. And it only has songs in it that we have rights to, that we have, have licensed. And it's thousands and thousands and thousands of songs. So for me, it's like, okay, 90s class, how am I feeling? Do I want it a little more rock or a mixture or dance music or pop? And then I pick the playlist and then kind of create the workout from there. However, if it's 
a Hidden Hills ride, for example, I might think about the structure of the class first, and then I'll go and find the appropriate songs that fit the vibe. So I know this is going to be, we're going to start with a really intense hit section. So now I'm going to go find a song that matches the energy of the hit section. And I'll say each class takes me anywhere between like an hour to two hours to program, depending on like how focused I am. Sometimes, especially when I'm making like a nineties playlist, I start listening to these songs and I get, I'm totally sidetracked. I'm singing along, I'm dancing in my living room. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be (laughs) making a playlist. Um, But that's how you always know it's a good song. And so I usually add those in. And then like how, speaking of the motivation of it all, how much do you script out what you're going to say in advance and like how much of it is on the fly? I think definitely when I first started at Peloton, I used to write out because we can see, we can write out notes. So we can write out notes for everything. And I always write out notes for intervals and like that stuff, like the structure of the class is always put in there so that I don't forget that. But in terms of like inspiration or things I want to say, like when I first started, I think I used to write in quotes every once in a while and stuff like that. But now it's like way more intuitive. Been there for six years now. But then also whenever there's a specialty class, so if there's an artist series or artist ride, then I'm definitely writing in notes just to make sure that I hit all the information that I'm supposed to hit. But yeah, I I think it, it depends on the instructor. I think there are definitely some instructors that love writing in their inspiration. And then there are some that just like never do and they just speak from the heart totally. Yeah, I think people might not realize how much work before you get on the bike goes into making these classes, even just, you you know, you said finding the right vibe for your hills or your intervals, but you also have to find like the right beats per minute, right? Like it's like literally finding the right songs, which just blows my mind constantly. So well done. We have a big team of people that help us. We have a music department, a music team that's incredible. And so they will help make not like a class plan playlist, but like here, like new releases. So there's like a playlist that just has like 50 new songs in it so that we always know what's new and and what's um, like trending. Or we have like great genre playlists like 90s rock or EDM hits or house music, tropical house. Like we have a team that helps like, you know, facilitate these playlists. And then we have a producer team that's amazing too. So our producers are helping us decide which classes to teach when, and maybe some themes that we want to play upon, or like taking some aspects of like my personal life and putting them into a ride. Like just my, the last class I taught the other day, which was to celebrate the launch of my book. I made a play, a nineties playlist that featured all artists that I mentioned in my book. So it was Chili Peppers, Mariah Carey, Alanis Morissette. And um, and so that was like planned out with my producer to just kind of like make it that theme. I think people see us alone on that bike teaching, but knowing that there's really, you know, a whole staff of people behind us helping us do what we do. I have to ask. So when I work out, I look like a melting tomato, actually. Um, always have. Um, but like how you don't. So what do you, I know this is more of a frivolous question, but we cover beauty on well and good too. So like, what are your tips for doing makeup or kind of like prepping your face before a workout? Okay, girl, I got you. So this is my advice. (laughs) One, we have like 
amazing air conditioning at Peloton. So I can control, <laughs> we have like different fan settings and like, we know that like the room is going to be a, I don't actually know what degree it's at, but if I was like, this needs to be at like 65 degrees or whatever, like they can make that happen. So, um, we definitely have control over that. Some instructors like to ride without fans on, like they want to be more sweaty. Some instructors want the fans all the way on because they don't want to be so sweaty. So I, I'm definitely somebody who would like rather have the fans on high. So I have that going for me, makeup wise, and even, um, moisturizer. So if I use body moisturizer on my body, before I teach class, I sweat so much more and you're just like sweating off lotion. And so you just like look glistening. <laughs> But if I am dry and ashy, <laughs> you don't sweat as much. It's crazy. And so sometimes I go into class super dry and then I'm like sweating, but just not as much as with lotion. And then I think like beauty products, I'm like all um, waterproof mascara, waterproof eyeliner, like waterproof liquid eyeliner, waterproof eyebrows, like everything is waterproof. And then I use a really matte foundation. Um, and every instructor gets, does their own makeup. I think there, that's a lot of, um, question around that too. Um, we all do our own makeup unless it's a specialty class and we choose to have our makeup done because we want something special. Um, but we can wear as much or as little makeup as we want. It's, it's really up to us. It's, and I think it's just like what makes us feel good. And I will say, cause some people are like, you're working out. Why are you even wearing makeup? And I will say this publicly on your podcast. <laughs> That's like, if you had 10 4k high def cameras pointed at your face while you were working out, you might <laughs> want makeup on, but maybe not. Maybe that's not your thing, but it's my thing. And it's a lot of our things. And I think that we just want to feel really confident it's also like the lighting in there can be so intense. And if you know this as a performer, why do ballerinas wear makeup? Why do actors and actresses on Broadway, why do, does everybody wear makeup? Because when the lights hit your face, you look like a ghost and you're completely white unless you add in like color on your cheeks and like color in your eyebrows, all that stuff. So I think, yes, we are like just working out, but also like there is so much, as I am sharing with you, there's so much that goes on into the creation of these classes. Like we want to make them as good as possible and we want to feel as good as possible too. So whatever it takes to make that all happen and to make sure that you have an amazing experience and that we feel like we're doing the best that we can do, like that's that's what the goal is. I love that you said that. Um, years ago, past life, I worked at People Magazine for about a year. And we I remember interviewing um, the US women's hockey team around the Olympics. And there was a similar question that they get all the time is like, why do you wear makeup? You're a professional athlete. You're a hockey player. The boys don't have to wear makeup. And I just I've remembered ever since one of the players um, said, I'm going to work. Don't you wear makeup to work? And I just like, you know, there's such a simple explanation, you know, which I just that really um, that really sat with me. But I, I love this idea of just making sure like you feel the best and can bring your best self to the experience. Right. And it's so individual, right? Like you can't tell me what makes me do my best. Only I know what I need to do to be my best. And so everybody has their own routine and, you know, thing that they do before they go to work. So, you know, 
everyone should just do what works for them. Well, speaking of doing your best, I know from other authors I've spoken to and just like following authors on social media that book tours and book publicity tours can be grueling. So you're on this book promo tour. You're still teaching your classes. How do you take care of yourself in all of this? Yeah. And this is my first book. So this is my first book tour. And so I'm experiencing it all. Yeah. I'm like halfway through the book tour. I will say my friend and colleague Tunde um, has helped me a lot because she wrote a book that came out a year ago called Speak. Make sure you go check that out if you haven't already. And she knocked it out of the park. Like she, I mean, from the outside anyway, and I would tell her, I'm like, you, you just like, that looked like the most effortless, seamless, you know, book tour. And she was like, girl, that took so much effort. Like, I'm glad it looked effortless, but it was like, I was so tired. I was traveling and, and she has just been so helpful for me on this journey. I have to say, like, I'm so lucky that she's my friend and that she sends me little text messages like every other day being like, stay true to yourself or like, make sure you drink water today. (laughs) Or like these little like notes that are just like, remember to stay present, like enjoy the process, you know? Um, Because I do think we can get like swept up in all of this stuff. And we forget that like, this is a short amount of time that my, my regular life, I'm not like doing this much promotion. And so this is a really intense time. And so I am trying to stay really present in it because it's kind of spectacular. It's kind of amazing. Like I will only write my first book once. I was on Access Hollywood the other day and I got to meet AC Slater, also known as Mario Lopez. <laughs> and I was just like, I need to like sit with this for a second because like I grew up watching this guy. I like totally had a crush on him when I was a kid. And now I'm like sitting and having a conversation with him on national television. Like this is so wild. And so I'm trying to really just like take in those moments and be in them. And then also, yes, take care of myself. And, um, you know, I've had to, to like reschedule a few things, but for the most part, I'm like trying to, you know, make sure I get my workouts in. I'm still teaching at Peloton. I've I've like taken away a couple classes to free up my schedule, but I'm still teaching. And, um, I'm, I'm trying to just like, make sure I get enough sleep. I'm eating nutritious meals. I'm staying hydrated. I'm drinking plenty of water and, um, just also like staying really hyper organized so that I don't feel chaotic. (laughs) I do not know Tunde personally, but I feel like I do from taking her classes. And is there better motivation than having her in your pocket? <laughs> oh my God. My friend, the fact that my friends are Peloton instructors, like it's incredible. I get like the best motivation and support from them. Um, it's it's awesome to have. So what's next for you? What are you looking forward to? What are you excited about? Love to hear. I am really focused on the the launch of this book and and having it do as well as possible. And um, knowing that like this might open up other doors for me in, and things that I don't even know about yet. And so I don't want to say like, I have a definitive thing that I'm going to do next. Um, But I'm, because, you know, when I was a kid, I would have never said I'm going to be a Peloton instructor when I grew up because Peloton didn't exist when I was a kid. And so There are lots of opportunities that don't even exist yet that are going to come. And so I'm sort of open to seeing what this book leads into next, whether that's another book or um, TV or or anything like that podcast, who knows. Um, But I, I think I'm just like excited that this is a, the next step in my career. On 
On today's show, you heard me in conversation with Emma Lovewell. This episode was scripted in part and mastered by Sarah Gabrielli and produced by Taylor Camille, Jen Snyder, and myself, Abby Stone, along with many other hands and brains at Well and Good. As always, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share. Our theme music was created by Madeline Lukomsky and Matt DiDomenico, and our show art was designed by Jenna Gibson and Karina Masonette.